This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Okay, guys, here's what's happening at Right From The Deep. Thanks to our Patreon sponsors. We so appreciate you and the encouragement and financial help you give us. If you want to check into being a patron, you can go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash right from the deep. Yes, indeed. And thank you. Special, special thanks to our May sponsor of the month, Wendy L. McDonald. She is a writer, a poet, a podcaster, a photographer, and a nature lover. She's a kindred spirit. (laughs) (laughs) And if you want to get to know her and see some of her work, I encourage you check out her website at wendylmcdonald.com. That's W-E-N-D-Y-L-M-A-C-D-O-N-A-L-D dot com. Thank you, Wendy. We always like to let you know if we're going to be appearing at conferences or anything around the country. And I will be in the Seattle area, May 19 through 20, for the Northwest Christian Writers Retreat and Renewal. If you want to come join us and have some fun and spend some time together, you can check out the conference at nwchristianwriters.org. Also, I'm on the docket for Sharing a Wonder. I think some of you know that at the time that this is being recorded, Don and I have our house on the market and are looking to sell our place, which we absolutely love. But we need to move further north so that they can get my poor dying lungs out of the smoke here in the valley, the wildfire smoke. So um, we have put our house on the market and we've had several showings and people say how much they like it, but no offers. Now, it hasn't been a long time, but there's that little thing inside of me that's like, Lord, Are we really following your leading? And here's what I love. Here's the wonder to me. God knows exactly what we need to encourage us and to bring us peace. I have always loved the fact that when we get rain with sun, which we get fairly often here in the valley, there's a rainbow that goes over our house. So yesterday, as I was feeling kind of bummed out about not having gotten any offers, I looked out the window and sure enough, there was rainless sunshine and I run out and there is this full rainbow from one end of our property to the other. And I looked at that and I thought, holy cow. Okay, Lord, <laughs> I hear you. I get it. And then this morning, as Aaron and I are reading our our selection from Streams in the Desert, it was exactly about not being afraid to make big requests to God and to trust him to fulfill them because he has infinite resources and he's the God of everything and he can do whatever he knows we need and I can trust him. So there's the wonder of how Almighty God cares so much about one little person that he speaks to my heart in these amazing ways, and he will do the same for you. Cool. And now, here's the show. Welcome, listeners. Welcome into the deep with us. We're glad you're joining us. So here's my question. Can any of us really say, we know God, we really know him, we know everything there is to know about him? I'm thinking not, (laughs) okay? Because he's very big and our brains are teeny 
teeny tiny in comparison, but that shouldn't stop us from doing everything we can, doing our very best to get to know him. Because how can we follow him? How can we trust him? How can we properly worship him if we don't know him? So we're going to continue our series on God's qualities and attributes. This is part three, and if you haven't heard the other episodes, we'll have a link in the show notes. I got to tell you that in the course of doing these podcasts and trying to think of what the characteristics or traits are of God that that I've noticed and that I want to explore more, it's drawn me so much closer to the, the whole of who God is, and yet I know that I haven't even begun. So I encourage you to do the same. What traits about God have you you notice. Dig in, explore them, and see where God leads you. Yeah. Until then, we're going to share these traits today. Okay, so um, the first one we're going to talk about is God is creator. It's amusing that we didn't get to this until part three, because <laughs> like we're creators. As writers, we're creators. And I, I love to think of this in terms of how God made us in his in His image, right? And so we're creators too. And, and it's our delight as writers to use the creative gifts. But also, I was thinking about how he's like the ultimate creator. He's the prototype. He's the first. He's the best. He's unlimited. He's got the all ability in creativity. And so not only, okay, can he be an endless supply of creativity for he is for himself and for us as as we write, but then I started thinking about how he acts in the world. Like God can creatively solve problems in ways that we will never see coming. And I think of how many times our life seems so complicated or hopeless or confusing. We can't see any solution to whatever the situation is. We have a God who is perfectly creative, and he's already figured out how to solve everything the way he wants to solve it. We, we are not always and probably rarely going to see it coming, but he's just so much bigger and smarter and wiser and creative. And I wish Guys, I wish we would stop doubting his creativity and stop doubting it in ourselves. He's given you that gift. Use it and know that he's going to keep supplying that in you guys. God is also infinite. Now, this is when the just you know, kind of makes my brain hurt as I try <laughs> yes. to, to wrap it around infinite, no beginning, no end. Colossians 1.17 tells us he is before all things and in him all things hold together. Everything holds together in him, but he was before all things. I want to give you a moment to think about that. <laughs> God was before all things. When Moses asked God, who shall I tell Pharaoh has sent me? God said, I am that I am. Now, that's as definitive as it gets. I am that I am. And what he used in there was Yahweh, Jehovah, and it's the most intensely sacred name to Jewish scribes. Many of them will not even pronounce the name. When possible, they use another name because it embraces the totality of I am that I am, beginning, middle, end, beyond, beyond the beginning. It's the hardest for our finite brains to grasp the infinite qualities of God and the fact that he has, as Aaron said, infinite resources to 
work out his will in our lives, to answer the prayers that we bring to him as he sees best and in the timing that he sees best. It's not like God is trying to figure out how to use these limited resources and who gets them. He has an infinite number of resources, not just in the physical, but in the spiritual, his grace, his goodness, his kindness, all of those things, no end to them, no end. You know, I think that one thing you could do with this word is think about the other things we've talked about as God being loving, infinitely loving, God being creative, infinitely creative. Right. You know, right. it's just put infinite in front of everything and you'll infinitely big. I mean, there just, you go. <laughs> just put that word, like spend all day putting that word before every attribute. And it's just maybe we'll get like some teeny tiny understanding of the infinite, incomprehensible that is God, so that we'll love Him and trust Him and try to know Him better. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, the next one, here's one that's uncomfortable. At least it was for me when I started thinking about it, but I want to talk about it. God is righteously wrathful. I know that we want to think of God as loving, and He is infinitely loving. He's not, we don't want to think about the fact that He's wrathful, but every day, guys, our God, the creator of the universe, the God who sustains all life, who was before all things, who holds all things together, who gives us our very breath, every day He's maligned, He's minimized, he's grossly undervalued, he's taken for granted by Christians and non-Christians alike. We make ourselves into God when we choose our will over his, and this has been happening, you know, since Adam and Eve, right? There's consequences for this. God told Adam, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. That's in Genesis 3.17. So yes, guys, God is loving, but he's also just, and there is a just wrath for sin. And thanks be to God, you know, there is a perfect atonement for this wrath in Jesus Christ's death on the cross. But why am I talking about all this? It's because I don't want us to minimize our sin. I don't want us to minimize our poor choices or our moral failures. If we minimize that, it's like we're saying Christ's death on the cross was like no simple, a task that was easy, no big deal. But it wasn't. It was costly. And I want us to be mortified by sin. I'm not saying that, you know, we're supposed to be paralyzed and beat ourselves up forever because, again, our sins are atoned for through Christ. But I am saying that our attitude needs to be like Joseph's attitude. I think of him in Potiphar's house, you know, and Potiphar's wife kept trying to seduce him. And Joseph, in this terrible, unfair situation, you know, he basically says in Genesis 39.9, he says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Sin is a moral outrage against God. And if we don't keep that in mind, we, we will lose what it means to be God and what it means to be people. And we can't be properly humble and we can't be grateful for what he's done for us. And God help our world and our country in the wrath that we deserve for this moral outrage. So I just, I want us to keep it in mind. 
that makes me think of the other attribute, one of the other attributes I've been researching, and that's the fact that God is incomprehensible. We are told in Scripture to fear God. We are told in Scripture that God's grace and love are infinite. We are told in Scripture that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God, and we are told to fear not. All of this, it may seem contradictory, but it's not. It's everything that God is, and yet to our minds, it's incomprehensible. How often have you prayed and asked God for an answer, and it seems like the answer doesn't come, and you just, you can't figure out what he's doing. And we can go through our whole lives and feel as though God never brought that answer to bear, even though we prayed. And we say to ourselves, when I get to eternity, I'll ask God about this and I'll get an answer. I've come to the place where I've decided that there are things that we will not need to understand. When we are standing before God Almighty, I'm not going to say to him, by the way, about that prayer that I prayed (laughs) back in 1996 that you never seemed to answer. What was going up with that? We will never say that to God because as Psalms 145.3 tells us, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. We can't can't comprehend all of who God is and how great he is. Romans 11, 33 through 34 tells us, oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? None of us can counsel him. None of us will really know the mind of the Lord until we are there standing face to face with him because sin has come into our world. Sin is in our hearts. It's a part of humanity and it blocks our ability to fully grasp God in all his power and glory, to fully comprehend the totality of God. Scripture tells us that we see through a glass darkly. It's that veil of sin that's blocking our eyes and blocking our understanding. But Someday, someday we will know as we are known. We will see him and it will all be there in front of us and we will be able to say yes and holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. For now, as we dwell behind the veil, we know as much of God as he chooses to reveal. And I am so grateful that he reveals himself to us in the ways that he does Even as I understanding, as Aaron has said, we're just getting a teeny tiny piece of the totality of who God is. The next trait we want to talk about is that God is omnipresent. Mm. What I like about this is that it reassures us that God is always with us, always, no matter if we feel his presence or not. I was talking to somebody recently, and it, and it just broke my heart. This person was telling me how they used to feel God's presence so often, and it was so comforting. And lately, they hadn't been feeling God's presence. And that was traumatic, you know. And I don't know what's happening there or why, but I do think that there are times when we don't feel His presence And those are times when we have to reach out and step out in faith and trust the truth that we know 
that he is still present, even if we don't feel him. Mm. And I think sometimes, too, we're tempted, you know, especially if maybe we've done something we shouldn't have and maybe we stumbled and, you know, we think he's going to give up on us. We think he's going to turn his back on us. He does not. He does not. He is always with us, no matter what. And I love Deuteronomy 31.8. It's one of my memory verses. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. If ever there was a verse for writers, <laughs> it's that. Yes. It's a hard journey. The writing life is hard. We have to do things that are scary and that make us afraid. We have expectations. We sometimes get discouraged because of them. We sometimes feel alone. But guys, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged because the infinite Lord goes before you and is always, always with you. I really love that. I like that verse in Deuteronomy so much. It's a very good reminder. Emotions do not equal truth. We've got to rest on the truth and not on what we're feeling. Right. Another attribute is that God is impartial. Now, this one I kind of had trouble with. Um, it talks about it all throughout Scripture. Acts 10.34, Peter says, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. Um, and I looked at Webster's to see, Aaron and I were actually just discussing it this morning, what is partiality? And so we looked in Webster's and it's unfair bias in favor of one thing or person compared with another, favoritism. That makes a lot of sense. Unfair bias. God does not show bias that is unfair. God doesn't show bias as we know it. When I think about, um, there's a section in Isaiah 43 that talks about God giving other peoples in ransom for Israel and letting other people be killed or destroyed in order to save Israel. My human mind wants to look at that and say, teacher's pet, teacher's pet, God <laughs> loves them better than the others. But God shows no partiality, not of one individual over another, not of one race over another. He does not show an unfair bias toward anyone. In God's eyes, we are all the same, and we have one purpose, and we'll get to that in a second. Colossians 3.25 says, For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. Just as Aaron talked about him being righteously wrathful, he judges according to truth. He doesn't judge according to emotion. He judges according to truth and according to Christ's blood. If you've been covered by Christ's blood, if you've accepted the gift of salvation, then you will receive grace. But God still has that side of him where he's going to come in and be wrathful and he's going to judge based on truth. When we tend to question God's actions because they seem to show partiality, we're operating from our finite minds and our emotions. We've seen so often how people are swayed or how they're bribed or how what seems a good thing actually wasn't because they were doing something to gain something. God will never do that. He is God Almighty. He chooses whom to draw and who to use to change lives, whose hearts to harden. And he doesn't do it based on his emotions or because he likes one person better than another. He does it based on his knowledge and his wisdom. And he's doing it 
He's the creator using creation to display his glory. God is impartial. He is infinitely impartial. He doesn't do things because he likes one person better than another. He does it because it's right and because he knows it's the best way to bring his glory and his salvation to the world. You know, as you're talking about these things, it makes me think of that verse in Revelation, and I just pulled it up here. It's Revelation 7, 9, and it's um, a great multitude from the great tribulation. Listen to this, you guys. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits mm. on the throne and to the Lamb. It's just no partiality. Chills, chills, chills. All nations, tribes, peoples. There is what a multitude there is going to be one day. It's it's gonna be just like this kaleidoscope of cultures and tongues and people and I just think that's cool. (laughs) And they'll all be praising God. Exactly. They'll all be for God's glory. So moving on, God is perfect. (laughs) That means, guys, that everything he does is always already perfect. Just like, I mean, how many of these things go hand in hand, right? God is perfect. He's infinite. His love for us is perfect. It doesn't come and go. It isn't biased. It isn't based on you. His faithfulness is perfect. No matter what we think about that, his judgment is perfect. No matter what we think about that. (laughs) Noticing a pattern here. (laughs) Exactly. His justice is perfect, no matter what. His revelation of himself to us is perfect, no matter how much we might wish for like a billboard, you know. His plans for us are perfect. And guys, his plans for the world, no matter what we may think about things that are going on, his plans are still perfect. We can hold on to the truth of who God is in the face of what evidence, worldly evidence, and the evidence of our minds and our hearts seem to be telling us. These are distractions and things that the enemy, the prince of this world, is using to try and draw us away from that faith in God. But here's one that I absolutely love, and this characteristic gives me the greatest hope. God is immutable. He never changes. He never changes. God is God. I am that I am. That's who God is. He's infinitely dependable. If he doesn't change, if his promises and his purposes, his work in and his plans for us never change, we don't have to worry about somebody changing his mind or swaying him to another path or convincing him that we're really not worth anything and shouldn't be saved. We never have to worry about God doing what he says he won't do. We never have to be afraid. He has told us, fear not, Yes, we need to fear his grandeur and fear his glory and fear his wrath and his judgment. We need to walk in a way that remembers we are the created and he is the creator. And yet God tells us himself in Malachi 3.6 that he doesn't change, not ever. And in Psalm 33.11, it says the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart 
to all generations. And his plan has always been to draw us to him, to restore us to a state of grace, and to save all those who will come to him and accept that gift of salvation. Our God is an awesome God. It's not a cliche. It's not just a worship song. It's a truth of who he is. He's immutable. He's perfect. He's infinite. He's all of these things that we've been talking about and so much more that we will never understand until the veil is lifted and we see him face to face. And God Almighty, the God who created us, will deign to come down and let us see him without the veil that we may understand all of who he is. And we'll spend eternity rejoicing in that and glorying him and glorifying who he is and who he made us to be. He's amazing. So dig in, find out the attributes of God that draw you and dig in and learn more about him. You can spend your whole life doing it. And I can't think of a much better way to spend your life. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at rightfromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Thank you.